two generations. One passion. This is Generation Red. Welcome back, Husker fans, to the Michigan preview episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker podcasts, hosted by your favorite father and son combo, who do our best to be sweet, but by God, sometimes we get a little bit salty. I am your ever hopeful host, Ken. And I am your also hopeful and uh, decent, decent level of optimism host, Scott. <laughs> Took me a minute to get that out there. <laughs> well, after the uh, game last Saturday, uh, come 6.30 this Saturday night, the Huskers will be face-to-face and eye-to-eye with those Red Dawn wannabes from Ann Arbor with a loud, rabid fan base ready to rock Memorial Stadium to its core. And after their total domination over Northwestern last week, these hungry Husker players will be primed and ready to get Coach Scott Frost his first signature win over a likely top-10 team. In fact the time of this recording they had been ranked number nine so had the huskers taken pair care of business yes they are in week zero four and five this could have been a clash between two undefeated and highly ranked teams but it's not what happened and it really doesn't matter what does matter is nu needs three more wins to get to a bowl game so why not have win number four come at expense of michigan and coach khaki pants so, for the next half hour yeah. or so, <laughs> we will preview that game by looking at each team's season statistics, give you our keys to victory and a score prediction, and reveal our latest offering in the plus-minus game, which, please play. We've got a buddy of mine that's been playing since uh, since the Northwestern game. Hopefully, he'll play again this week. You listening to me, Mike? You better be. Anyway. We're going to introduce a brand new segment toward the end called Gen Red's Games of the Week, besides NU Michigan, of course, and pick the winners in each of those games. And, of course, we'll end things with some fun facts, because we forgot to in the last one, but actually, no, we didn't. The fun facts are going to be on Thursday's show, so you'll need to download it every week as well. So, let's get to it. Michigan is currently ranked number 9. They're 5-0, and and their latest win was a drubbing of Wisconsin I believe it was in Wisconsin, wasn't it? 38 to 17, or was it at the big house? I don't remember. I think it was in Wisconsin. So, anyway, I think it they was. took them. I think it was. While you, while you go on with yep, that, I'll was, look that they up. They took really them to quick. the woodshed, no doubt about it. And uh, I think Wisconsin's probably going to drop out of the top 25 now, I would think, or after getting crushed by Notre Dame last week. So, um, Oh yeah, they're they're they haven't even won it. They've only won one game this yeah, year so far. That's, so that's nuts. They're they're one in three. Wow, and I thought we were bad, right? Maybe we can actually beat them in Madison. Yeah, this no year. Wouldn't that be cool? Um, yes. Oh, and it was it was, it in, was Madison. in Madison. Okay, that is where the I game thought was, it was held. And they were only ninety three. They were only ninety three percent capacity because Wisconsin 
is uh, a weak fan base. They're they were very all, weak. They all got too drunk before kickoff uh, out there in the party zone because that place is nuts. Uh, so there you go. That's their latest win was over Wisconsin. I know you've got some some players from Michigan that you kind of want to talk about as being important in this game. So go ahead. Yes. So looking forward to Michigan, we have quite a lofty task ahead of ourselves at this point. Um, Yeah, let's just roll right into it. At the position of quarterback, as you guys are probably well aware, if you're not, their quarterback's name is Cade McNamara. Um, Notable stats for him at this moment are that he has zero interceptions in five games and zero sacks on him so far. Um, their O-line is doing a good job preventing pressure on him and allowing him an ability to be productive. Although, when it comes to his productivity, his completion percentage is only 61.7%. Um, that's okay, but it's by no means uh, elite by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but if we, can, if we can create some notable pressure against him, maybe get a sack, maybe two, Hell, if we could get an interception, that would just be... I mean, you'd take interceptions any day of the week, but if we can get him off his game where he hasn't had any experience being sacked or any experience uh, throwing any interceptions, oh, man, the momentum shift from that at home in Memorial Stadium with a loud nighttime uh, environment is going to be more than sufficient to give us an advantage over this guy. So, Cade McNamara. So uh, at running back position, we have two guys that are notable at this point. We have running back Blake Corum. He has 84 attempts for 521 yards. That's a pretty big bucket of yards at this point. He's on he's on a uh, he's on a track to getting a thousand yard rushing season with a 6.2 average yards per run. Um, that's insane. Uh, with seven touchdowns and a 67 yard longest run so far um he is five foot eight sounds very uh scott frosty and uh what we have kind of brought to the table all the way up until this year so short guy five foot eight at 200 pounds and he is a lightning fast bowling ball at this point uh, that is as dynamic of a playmaker that we will have seen this year if we can find a way to stop him like we did kenneth walker the third from michigan state we will have done a good job. Um, second behind him is their bruiser back, uh, Hassan Haskins. He has 80 attempts with 369 yards. So almost a thousand yards rushing between two running backs. And they're only on, they're only going to be going into week six here. So clearly they have a strong point with the running game. Uh, Hassan Haskins has an average of 4.2 yards average per run, which is definitely formidable. Uh, Six touchdowns with a long of 22 yards, so significantly less of a of a high of his longest run. But clearly, what he is used for is being their bruiser back and their go to short yardage guy because he is six foot one and 220 pounds. So he's built like a brick's nut house. Um, yeah, so those are the two running backs that I think we need to be concerned about. Uh, they're going to interchange them for whatever uh, situations that they're presented with and keep somebody fresh. So we got to be concerned. That's definitely cause for concern. Uh, moving on, we got the wide receiver and tight end room at basically the number one spot for uh, Michigan. They have Cornelius Johnson. He only has 10 receptions so far this season. However, it is with 245 yards of production with a 24 and a half 
yards average per the season and three touchdowns with an 87 yard long reception. So we got to look out for that guy. Um, down. Oh yes. He is, uh, he's also six foot three and 211 pounds. So pretty big dude directly behind him. They have guys like Dalen Baldwin, Roman Wilson, Mike Sainzaritil, Sain, Sain, Sainritzel. I don't even know how to pronounce that. Not even going to try it. Oh, I did try it, but I'm not going to try it again. And then just, uh, one tight end that I want to notate right now. His name is Eric all a L L. Um, he has nine receptions for 97 yards with a 10.8 average yards um, per se- per the season. Zero touchdowns, though, with a long of 24 yards. He is, as a tight end, six foot four. I hate to say only six foot four because he's still a pretty tall guy, but in comparison to our tight end room, uh, he is average at best. Uh, he's 245 pounds, and as the season has been, going so far he is definitely their most prolific tight end thus far on the defensive side they have plenty of stout players uh they have a linebacker named josh ross he has 16 solo tackles with 16 assists uh you've got defensive back daxton hill he has 14 solo tackles with 10 assists four pass deflections for daxton hill and one interception for that guy so uh, seems like a well-rounded player right there in the defensive back room. Uh, another linebacker to be concerned about is Nikai Hill-Green. He has uh, 19 solo tackles and four assists. So Damn. he's leading his uh, defense with with the most solo tackles. Yes, and 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 five games with 19 solo tackles. Like he's he's making himself a presence uh, on that linebacker room. So. On the uh, defensive end side of things, there's a guy named Aiden Hutchinson who has 14 solo tackles, four assists, and four and a half sacks on record. So he's gotten to the quarterback a handful of times. That's an average of a sack per game at this point. Um, And then that leads me to the other sack leader of the team, which is linebacker David Ajabo. He has 10 solo tackles, five assists, and three and a half sacks. So... Between the two of them, they have eight sacks, and so they are definitely going to be uh, uh, a force to be reckoned with on our offensive line. So hopefully the, the the changes that we've made on an offensive line can actually hold up against such forces. And I also think that uh, when it comes to matchups with Nebraska, this might be the most athletic team that they will face as a defense so far this season. So they're going to be tested by us as well as long as def- as the offensive line holds up but i have pretty good hope that we're gonna probably run with michigan fairly well throughout this game and that's pretty well proven out by the team statistics that both teams have put out so far nebraska has a total offense of 504 yards per game which ranks them number 11 in the country whereas michigan has a total offense of 436.8 yards per game which ranks them number 40 so I think our defense is set to be fairly successful, except Michigan's pretty good at running the ball. Uh, 255 yards per game, which ranks them at number seven in the country, whereas we're 237.5 yards a game, thanks to a 427-yard performance against Northwestern, which has got us up to number 14 in the country. So that's uh, almost a wash, really. So both teams are going to look to run it. 
As far as passing is concerned, that's where Nebraska has a distinct edge, 266.5 yards per game. Granted, that's only ranked 40th in the country, but Michigan's only throwing for 181.8, which has them ranked well down below Nebraska at 110 in the country. Uh, Scoring offense, Michigan's got the edge, 39.8 points per game, which is number 11 in the country. Considering they don't have a whole lot of passing yards, that tells me they're really effective between inside the 20 with the rush offense. Nebraska, on the other hand, is 32.3 yards per game or 32.3 points per game. <laughs> it was 32.3 yards per game. That would be bad. A lot of people get fired. <laughs> but uh, that's that is yeah. Fact. So that would be a scoring offense rank of 50 in the country. Um, time of possession. Nebraska's got a bit of an edge they're averaging 34 point 34 minutes and 12 seconds per game which is fifth in the country impressive uh whereas um and it, that's amazing is that they they hold the ball you would not expect 31 that. minutes and a second per game is what michigan averages and that ranks them all the way down at 40th only three minutes less but that ranks them clear down at 40th yet they score more points than we do but they don't run. They don't pass the ball well. So apparently, the run game is is quite effective. Um, first downs. Michigan has a total of a hundred, which ranks them at seventy fifth in the country. Nebraska has ninety nine, which or one hundred and forty four. Excuse me, which ranks them third in the country. Yeah, that the is fact insane. That we're not that we're only three and three with one hundred and forty four first downs tells you just how ineffective. We are inside the uh, red zone until Saturday night. Oh, anyway, I do, I do have a, a thought on that. It's it's honestly probably. Uh, I just had this thought. It's probably because we played one more game than the that would help of the too. Country. Yes, yes, I agree. But I'd I reckon I reckon that we're probably still in the top twenty five of, of number of first downs. first downs. Yeah, and once we get past um, the bye week and Michigan yes. plays. I believe during our bye week, you'll be we'll able to really see, see it. kind of where we're at in comparison to the rest of the conference. As far as defense is concerned, this is where the two teams are pretty comparable. I think Michigan, Michigan's got some edges. Uh, for example, they average giving up 285.8 yards per game, which has them ranked at 15th. Nebraska averages giving up 322 yards per game. Granted, that's only, what, 30 37 yards per game more, but that moves them all the way down to 43rd in the country. Rushing yards, Nebraska gives up 122.2 yards per game, which is uh, 44th in the country. Kind of surprises me that we're that that low. Um, they give up 115.2 yards per game, which is 34th in the country. So I think the running yards are going to be a little bit tough to get. But with the Antonator in the backfield, and if they're willing to feed him a little bit this week, he could wear them out. Nebraska gives up just under 200 yards a game at 199.8 for in passing, which is 43rd in the country, uh, as opposed to Michigan, who gives up 170.6. So they're 17th in the country against the pass. Scoring, Nebraska gives up 15.5 points per game, which is 13th in the country, while Michigan gives up 12.8, which is 6th in the country. Yes, this will be a fight, I think. First downs, we give we've given up 115.2 per game, which is 34th in the country, while Michigan gives up has given up 80, which is 25th in the country. And again, 
got to keep in mind that this is after six games for Nebraska and five games for Michigan. So why don't you uh, go ahead and give the folks your keys to victory for this Saturday. All right. So my keys to victory starting at number one is going to be the continuation of conservative special teams play. They were able to prove their ability to just lay low and not do anything stupid um, during Northwestern. And we have to do that again. Um, So continuation of conservative special teams is my number one. Number two is going to be our offensive line. Do we see Nuelli keep his left guard spot and Prochaska keep his left tackle spot? I sure hope so. They definitely showed that they earned that spot in the last game. And if there's anything that would make me question, once again, the competence of our coaching staff would be if they went back to the same old, same old. Leave Nuelli and Prochaska at their spots and we need to see our offensive line play a decent game. We need to gash some holes open so that uh, so that Ramir Johnson and uh, and uh, Yant can actually do some things. And that pretty much leads me to my third. Third keys to victory. Can we establish a good run game with Yant and Johnson? As you noted above, that um, Michigan's rush defense is 34th in the country with 115 yards average per game that they allow. Can we get above that? Can we get 150 yards of rushing between Johnson, Yant, uh, Morrison, uh, Step, all of the guys? Can we get? Can we give them the room to have an efficient run back by committee, but still keeping a bell cow in either Johnson or Yant? Um, those are those are the things that I think will will lead to a victory. I know that we have uh, a wide receiving group that we're going to need to get open and make some explosive plays, but those do not happen with efficiency, in my opinion, unless we get a threatening run game going that puts their safeties closer and keeps their uh, keeps their uh, cornerbacks a little bit more in field to try and prevent some sort of outside run. And that sets up a good passing game. So if we can get a good running game, yep, that's those are my keys to victory. Special teams, offensive line, and a good run game. What about yours, Dad? We're pretty similar, no doubt about it. I think, number one, the O-line has to be good again, period. We know where the defensive line is coming from. They're good. They're going to stay good. They're going to be stout. I think they're going to focus in on Michigan's run because they're not scared of McNamara at all throwing on them. Uh, so D-line, I, I'm not really all concerned about. It's the offensive line. They've got some creatures, as Frost would call them, uh, coming <laughs> off the edge and at linebacker that have generated some pass rush. So Prohaska and um, Noelle better be ready. They're going to need to be ready. So secondly, if the O-line is good and can generate some push up front, That Johnson-Yant combination between the tackles needs to help open up the option and the passing game. If we can get those three, four, Mm, five-yard carries on first down, that's going to help play action a ton, and it's going to make it easy to generate some yards with that inside-out option game. So, uh, And then from there, the defense needs to hold Michigan to at least two scores under their average of almost 40 yards per game. If we can keep them down around that... 24 to 27 point range 
I think we've got a good shot at winning this game. Let's play prognosticators like we did last week. And this time, I'm not nearly as negative as I was uh, last week. You know, there, there's something to be said about kicking the living crap out of a Fitzgerald defense that gives a Husker fan like me a lot of confidence going into a Michigan game where I think in some ways, much like Oregon, as you said earlier in our previous show, uh, it could be a little overrated. Could be a little overrated based on the numbers and based on what they're generating on offense. They've got a really good defense, and I think Nebraska's got an offense that can match up with it. So, if the restructured offensive line can continue what they did to Northwestern, this game is definitely winnable. I had originally called for a narrow victory in our season preview, and I'm sticking with it. I think Scott Frost pulls out all of the stops, and Nebraska jumps out to a lead again early in the game. Me, chicken, <laughs> mounts a bit of a comeback in the second and third quarters, much like we've seen happen in the past. But NU figures out a way. They don't screw up on special teams. They at least create some holes late in the game to keep the clock moving. And NU outlasts the Hugh Jackmans in the fourth quarter. 31-24, to Frost gets his signature win, and the fans storm the field. How freaking cool would that be to be there to watch the fans storm the field? Ah, oh, dude, that would just be awesome because uh... – well, it's in my fun fact section, but I'll just announce it now. I'm going to the Michigan <laughs> game. Uh, I'm going there with my brother Levi. So, and Levi has has told me before he's more of a yep. baseball guy. That's kind of his thing. He likes baseball um, and hasn't really he hasn't really shown an interest in Husker football. But I invited him to come with me to the game, um, and he of course was stoked to do so he's like hell yeah i'll go i'll go check it out that's some interesting symmetry because his first husker baseball game was with me and we played michigan double header oh double yeah, header dude yeah that's pretty wow. cool wow i didn't even think about that that's awesome so uh yeah man uh my thoughts on the score prediction is that yeah we're gonna have to play a really good game minimize mistakes show our ability to capitalize off a of field position and do not make any mistakes giving Michigan a just unwarranted field position. We can't, we can't let that happen. And because of that, and because of our experience with that, I really truly think our guys are sick and tired of losing the big ones. Um, they will come out completely fired up and will hopefully be ready to take on the lofty task of beating not only a top 25 opponent, but now a ninth ranked Wolverine squad. Um, last time we played them, they destroyed us 56 to 10 in 2018. And this will be the first matchup against them since the first year of frost. <sighs> Unfortunately, however, until we show that we can win against the top 25 team, let alone a top 10 team, I will assume we somehow find a way to lose this one or they find a way to win this one. Maybe we don't make any mistakes and we just get outclassed by Michigan, which is very possible. But as long as we don't find a way to lose, like we're so prone to doing, I'll be okay with losing to Michigan uh, by just bout by just an absolute throat punching each other back and forth. Um, yeah. So I'm not really looking forward to that kind of disappointment, but ultimately 
I do think that we will unfortunately lose this one, um, which I wrote down my prediction before I actually looked at the over, under, and spread, and it looks like I'm actually sitting completely even with it aside from a minus point here. I predict that Michigan will win 27-24, to 24, basically uh, just uh, just under the over, under, and they cover the spread. So I don't like predicting that. I really don't, but unfortunately – I just have to go with trends. And since we haven't won against a top 25 team yet, I, I just, I want to, I want to give our guys the benefit of the doubt and predict that we win. But up to this point and my entire experience of being a Husker fan, I've always predicted what is the way that we can win. And I think after just being beat down in the ground so many times and just having my heart ripped from my chest, uh, so many yep. damn times. I just can't with good conscience do that. So yeah, unfortunately I pick us to lose 27 to 24, but I sure hope that we win. Like there's not a bone in my body that wouldn't want to win. Uh, and I will, I will gladly yep. be wrong. I will, I would love to be wrong. I would love nothing more to be wrong. It's the most humbling experience to be wrong in these kind of ways, but yeah, man. Uh, I think it would be, I think more so, dude, if, if Levi were to find a, a a desire to start cheering for the Cornhuskers, I think if we were to have a an insanely great win against Michigan, that would be mm-hmm. the way to do it. He'd be hooked. Um, but either way, yeah, man, that, that third quarter, that new, uh, that new thing that, that the university is doing where we do the third, the end of third quarter going into fourth quarter, our, our red burns brighter. <laughs> that was uh, cool on TV. Dude, I saw that it. Is it was just, really cool with thunderstruck and stuff going. That, that was so is, cool. Yes. I think if there's anything that will hype Levi up more than anything, it'll be that experience alone. And God, if we are, if we are in the game going into the fourth quarter, which I think we will be, I think that we will be in the game going into the, the fourth quarter, the amount of hype yeah. that we will have, like it was already an insane experience at the Northwestern game where we were kicking their ass. But if it's oh, a close game and we're trying to give will our be guys lit. confidence, oh my god, and that give place them, will be lit. Oh, dude, it'll be crazy. And dude, if there's if there's ever a moment where we could get into the mental psyche of an opposing team at Memorial Stadium, which honestly, bro, hasn't happened in a long time. Last we night it did. That hardest stadium it did last night yes if we could get our mojo back i would love to win this game and and i think that if we do win the game it'll be because our fourth quarter play will be outstanding we're gonna have to play a perfect game in the fourth quarter so so your plus minus then for michigan you're up five to four still because neither one of us got a point for northwestern which we're Damn glad that happened, because <laughs> that means Nebraska did way better than we expected them to do in our plus-minus game. So, what do you think is going to happen in Michigan? What is your plus-minus category? So, uh, it looks like, based on both of our plus-or-minus prediction ideals, uh, looks like we're being a little bit more optimistic about Nebraska. Deuces um, with, are wild. Yes. <laughs> so, um my plus or minus is is once again risky. I I really like making kind of risky bets. Um, I don't actually 
bet. I don't bet on anything. I don't even get scratch off lottery tickets because whatever. I won like Waste my first. I, I when I turned 18 or 19 or 21 or whatever year it was, first year I ever got a scratch off lottery ticket. I got a $2 scratch off and I won five bucks. And I'm like, I'll take that. I'll take that win. And I've been undefeated ever since because that was the only scratch off lottery ticket I ever got. So, um, <laughs> yeah, my plus or minus is two sacks, two sacks on McNamara, zero for the season so far. Can the black shirts cause an overwhelming amount of pressure on the guy and sack him twice? I think yes. I'm going to take the number at two. I would be really bold to say an over on that and a plus on that. So I'm just going to take the number at two. And because I think that I think that our, uh, our outside linebackers and our guys in the middle can find a way to pressure the guy. Um, we've shown our ability to do so. We should have had Spencer Rattler more than we did. And yep. we created an incredible amount of pressure on them. And I think that their offensive line at Ohio, or at Ohio state at OU is probably comparable to Michigan's at this point. So two sacks over on or plus or minus. I take two. What do you think, dad? I'm not as uh, optimistic on the pressure on, on uh, Michigan just because our history in the bigger games is we don't tend to get the pressure. So I'm going to go with the tendency and that was, that means I'm going to take the minus. Um, but I am a little bit more opti- optimistic on my plus or minus. And again, deuces are wild because plus or minus two is the number of rushing touchdowns from Adrian Martinez. And I am taking the number exactly at two. Oh, okay. Um, I would say that if we find ourselves in the red zone often and we line up with Jacques Yant and we have him right behind <laughs> Martinez, uh, I have a feeling that Michigan's going to stack up the center of their defensive line to prepare for that. Maybe bring a couple of their, uh, second level guys to try and stop it and it'll be some sort of weird uh uh, misdirection type option look and i have a feeling that martinez will take it in for at least two touchdowns but i'm because you took the number i'm going to say over i'm going to say that uh plus with three touchdowns um by martinez he does it again three rushing tds just like he did with northwestern counting for 21 of my predicted Alrighty. 24 points. So he takes every touchdown because in big games, Martinez seems to be our guy. He seems to be the one that keeps us in our game and in any games that we play that are huge. So if I'm following that trend, he gets all three touchdowns that I'm predicting we get. Bold. Going bold here. Uh, so... Brand new segment, folks. This is Gen Red's top 25 games to watch, and we will review these when we do our next episode after the Michigan game. Uh, so I'll start this. Uh, I'll give you my first game, and then, Scott, you can give me your first game. And we're also going to pick winners and losers on this, and we'll, why not? Just like plus minus, we'll keep score. Sound good? Sounds good to me. I'm sorry, I was, <laughs> I was taking it off of my He was hitting his vape. bong, guys. He was just hitting his bong. No biggie. Um, 
It's bait, man. <laughs> uh, talk about bad timing. Anyway, uh, my first game is number six, Oklahoma versus number one, 21, Texas. In the Red River Shootout, I refuse to call it a f***ing rivalry. It was always the Red River Shootout. It should always be the Red River Shootout. Just because a bunch of snowflakes don't freaking like it. It's the same snowflakes that don't like horns down. They want a penalty if you do horns down. So, anyway, what number six OU. Losers. Yeah, tell me about it. Number six OU versus number 21 Texas. Thank you for coming up with the over-under numbers and the spread. Uh, let's see here. OU is favored by three and a half points, and the over/under is sixty-four and a half. Holy hell! <laughs> Vegas knows how points. Vegas knows how those games go. It's always it's yep, always a I, shootout. I'm not here to pick the over/under or the spread, but I think I think OU wins this game uh, outright. I think they probably win it and they cover by by at least a touchdown. So that's what I pick. Yeah, uh, I would pick OU. Um, but they've just been so close to losing all season. They have been, they've had like three close games so far this season, maybe even more. The ones that I'm remembering are Tulane, us, and most recently Kansas State. There could be more. Um, but yeah, man, like those games always are high scoring. They go down to the wire. They're always mistake prone. Things go crazy. And if I had, a team to pick that would just absolutely lay an absolute egg. Uh, I'm going to actually pick OU to lose the game. I think that Texas takes down number six, Oklahoma, and basically ruins any shot that OU has of getting to the college football playoff, which they've been doing that themselves by barely winning games so far this season, went from like the number three team in the country down to number six, just based on performance. So I do think okay. it will be a high a high scoring game, um, but I I would pick Texas by a field goal, maybe even a touchdown. So I'm picking Texas. I freaking horns down all day every day, but based on the trends, I know Texas kind of sucks this year. They've always sucked. You know, Texas has never been back since uh, the Vince Young era. Uh, but I don't know. I'm just, Texas is just going to find a way to win this one. I think so. Um, well, they came close with Colt McCoy when, you know, after getting royally violated by Indomitian Sioux in the Big 12 championship game, which Nebraska won. I don't give six shits from Sunday what any of those refs said. Um, he did go to a national championship game, and then after he gets hit once, he decided, I don't want to play no more. My shoulder hurts. Um, so anyway, what's your, what's your top game? <laughs> so this is going to be... I would actually. I didn't look up to see where College Game Day is going, but it it would surprise. It wouldn't. It they're wouldn't not going there. They're not going there. Where the hell are nope. they going? Are they doing the I, OU Texas bullshit? Yep, they're going it to OU Texas. That's, That's where game lame, going. dude. Dude, Big yep. Ten showdown. Big Ten showdown. This is this is the game of the week, in my opinion. This is. It's going to be a great game. We'll we'll be able to find out which team is a college football playoff contender because. Right now, the Big Ten is not looking very keen at being in the college football playoff with Ohio State looking less than Ohio State-y. Um, so it'd be right. number number four, Penn State, going to Kinnick, playing number three, Iowa. It's a three o'clock game. It would be, oh, dude, it would be an even wilder experience if it was a night game at Kinnick because 
Iowa yeah. is just they are just prone to winning the big ones at night in in Kinnick. Right now, the over-under is sitting at 42.5 points with a spread of 2.5 in Iowa's favor. Um, I, I, I wanted to pick Penn State in this game because if I were to say that which team has the most complete offense, it's definitely Penn State. But, dude, that Iowa defense... That Iowa defense is, is, like I said, top five in the nation, hands down, top 10 at worst. Um, so I'm picking Iowa to win it. They probably, yeah, they probably uh, sit, they probably go under the over under if I were to imagine the game turning out and Iowa covers the spread and wins by a field goal. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm right there with you. I think this is Iowa's game. Uh, if this were at Penn State, I would probably pick Penn State, but it's in Kinnick. Uh, they tend to really play good defense there, and uh, Clifford's been pretty good at quarterback for Penn State so far this year, uh, but that Iowa defense is legit, absolutely legit. Thank God they're coming to Memorial Stadium this year when we play them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm picking Iowa, and I'm like you. I'm right there. Uh, I think they cover. They win by a field goal or maybe four points. I'm thinking 21-17. Sounds like a pretty good number. I don't think they get to the over-under so because and both dude, defenses are pretty good. How good is Iowa when both you and I, where we hate Iowa, and their corn God, sucks. God, their corn sucks. Their corn sucks so bad, and yet we're sitting here predicting them to oh, win. Oh, God, like, yeah. Of course if, we are. If, like if we if we really hated them, we would pick Penn State. But they're just they're out of that spite. Good. But I'm not going to do that. They're good. They're a they're damn good. good football team, and I got to. If pick they them. can, if they can figure out a way to, if they can figure out a way to have even a decent offense, which they're not bad. They just haven't had any explosiveness on their offense. Like they're definitely a college right. football playoff contender at this point. And between these two teams, it's going to decide from the east and the west side of uh, the Big Ten. It's okay. it's between yep. these two. Um, I don't think Iowa well, State squeezes their way into it. So, um, mm-hmm. how yeah, about uh, what's your second game? My second game is going to be uh, number two Georgia at uh, number nineteen Auburn. The over under is forty five points, and the spread is minus fourteen and a half by Georgia, for Georgia. <laughs> so clearly, Vegas is in favor of Georgia as am I. Um, like I said in our previous podcast, I Damn, think that's Georgia- a big spread going into going into Auburn Stadium, though. Holy <laughs> yes. cow, I would not bet the cover on that at all. No, no. I think it will be at most a 14-point game. Um, but then again, dude, like I said, Georgia is probably the most complete-looking team in the entire NCAA right now. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if they just blow out Auburn and just shut them up entirely. Um, so I'm going with Georgia. I'm not even going to mess with the over under or the spread because I think that it's just too risky to make any sort of predictions in those regards. So I am right there with you. I mean, we're not going to differ at all on this game. I think Georgia wins it. I think they don't quite cover. I think they probably win by 10, maybe Exactly 14, but I don't think they cover the spread. And I don't think they reach the over-under. If I were betting, I would bet the under, and I would bet Auburn to cover. 
that's what I would bet in this game because I think Auburn's got a pretty decent defense and they t- tend to get up for uh, big games against Eastern opponents. So my number two game is uh, unranked LSU versus number 16 Kentucky, uh, namely because Kentucky pulled off such a great upset this last weekend against Florida. God bless those guys. Glad to see uh, Wandale have as good a game as he did. I think Wandale has another one this week, and that's why I am picking Kentucky to win. It's at home. Mark Stoops is a pretty damn good coach. Pretty good. He's got a pretty good defense there, I think. Uh, and it looks like LSU at this point, since that loss to uh, to UCLA, I don't think they're anywhere near that Joe Burrow <laughs> nope. era offense that LSU has been known to have. I mean, that was one of the greatest teams I've ever seen play football, and uh, they're nowhere near that. That defense will keep them in the game, but I think in many ways, I think Wandale might make a difference in, in Kentucky winning. I don't think they'll cover. I think it's a field goal game. I don't think the over-under, oh, man, that's a tough one because I think Kentucky can score points. I think LSU can score points, but uh, at 52, I don't think I would take the over. I think I think I would take the under, and I'd take Kentucky to win by a field goal. Probably 24 to 21, 27, 24, somewhere in there, kind of like the OU game, OU-Texas game. What do you think? Yeah, this one's a tough one. Uh, I want to think that Kentucky is – the real deal in regards to just the context of being a top 25 team. Uh, they've proved their worth. They're undefeated. Um, yeah, they played a great game against Florida. But I don't know. Uh, I just have this – I have a soft spot for LSU. As you know, growing up with me, I was kind of uh, – I, I was a Husker fan. I am a Husker fan, always will be a Husker fan. And But I, I kind of had a side chick at, for a time – and that was uh, LSU. And <laughs> well, it didn't uh, hurt that your best friend was living in Louisiana at the time, too. So <laughs> Yes. I had a friend who moved to Louisiana when I was in third grade. He and I are still really good friends. Uh, I mean, our whole family are still pretty tight. So, um, And then, yeah, during that Bo Pelini defense era of LSU, it was a really fun time to watch them and live vicariously through their success while Nebraska found ways to lose big games. So, um, yeah, man, I'm I'm only picking LSU simply because until Kentucky proves uh, again, even though they beat Florida, if they can pull this off again, then, yeah, I think Kentucky is a real deal for being at least uh, top four in the SEC right now. Um, I'm, I'm picking LSU just because I, I like LSU and I have a soft spot for them. But if it, if I if LSU does win, it's going to be once again down to the wire, as they've been doing this whole entire season. Uh, I think that they find a way to pull it off and find their way back into uh, at least contention to be in the uh, top twenty-five again. Get back into the top twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Even well, though, yeah, they're three and two right now. I think with a win like that, they might find themselves back in the top twenty-five, especially. Of how hard they're they in the SEC, Auburn. so of course they will. Yep. So that's that's what <laughs> uh, I'm thinking. LSU. Alrighty. Well, my number three game is also in the SEC. Imagine that. Um, because hell, it seems like the only ranked teams anymore in the SEC. <laughs> but it's uh, number thirteen Arkansas versus number seventeen Ole Miss. The over under is sixty five points. Ooh. 
hell, that might not be high enough, quite frankly, with the way Lane Kiffin calls offense and Arkansas seems to cram the ball right down everybody's throat these days. Uh, Except for Alabama. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) Zero points. Yeah, Ole Miss is minus, is, is favored by four and a half. And I think that's pretty good favor, especially since they're at home. Lane Kiffin's really good. Seems like he... I'm I'm picking Ole Miss. I'm going with Ole Miss. I don't know if they're going to get to the over-under, but I'm pretty sure they're going to cover the spread. I think Ole Miss by 10. Yeah, and I misspoke. I meant Georgia. They didn't score a single point against Georgia. Um, yeah, I'm also picking Ole Miss here. Uh, I As much as I like Arkansas, and I'm happy that they are finding success. Dude, it's so weird that this is a weird year. Kentucky and Arkansas yeah. are doing well, and so is Tennessee. Tennessee's playing a good season too. So who knows what's happening in the SEC right now. But um, yeah, I think Lane Kiffin has has their number. Um, I don't know if it gets that 65 point uh, over under. I I reckon that it might just because of how bad Arkansas got beat by Georgia that they're going to want to come with a fire underneath their ass, but they're going to Ole Miss. And yeah, I have more confidence in Lane Kiffin. And so I'm picking Ole Miss. I think that they go under the spread and they definitely cover the, uh, or they go, yeah, they go under the over under and then they cover the spread. So um, that's what I'm thinking, but all right, well, let's get to the last game here. This is one that I picked that I think is fun. Uh, Vegas certainly doesn't think it's going to be a fun one, but I just there were there really isn't very many notable top twenty five games this upcoming week, besides, of course, Nebraska and uh, Michigan. But it is Temple at number five, Cincinnati. The over under is fifty three and a half, and the spread is twenty eight for Cincinnati. Minus 28 for Cincinnati. Um, I'm picking Cincinnati, but one of the things that I think is fascinating is that Temple in the last few years uh, has played really hard against Cincinnati and uh, Luke Fickle and company. Uh, 2020, they did not play because their game was canceled, but in 2019, Cincinnati won by two points, beating them 15 to 13. And in 2018, Temple actually beat them 24 to 17 in overtime. So if history seems to repeat itself again, uh, Temple might find a way to hang in there with Cincinnati. I doubt it, but it's still an interesting uh, interesting thing to consider that even though Temple, I guess in the, the 2018 season, I think that they only had like two, maybe three losses that season. It was a pretty good one for yeah, them. Yeah, they were pretty good. So that that does make a difference, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm picking Cincinnati to win, and I think that they that the over under. I think that they go under, but Cincinnati definitely covers the spread and makes up the majority of those points. Yep, I'm going with Cincy as well, and I think they'll cover. Probably, yeah, they they win by four touchdowns, and uh, maybe they score four touchdowns, and Temple doesn't score at all so (laughs) yeah i'd definitely bet the under but i would take cincy to cover so that pretty much wraps up our top 25 games to watch let's move on to our fun facts segment which yours is rather noisy if i recall correctly 
Yes. So a uh, fun fact about me is that, as I previously stated, not in the last episode, but the episode before that reacting to the Michigan State game going into Northwestern, I dis- I had uh, brought up that I had acquired a motorcycle, a Yamaha V-Star 650. And over the last week and a half, I got it up and running. Uh, fired up, it's straight piped already, and so it was incredibly loud. Um but, oh man, once I got that carburetor nice and cleaned up, it had the most perfect rumble to it. And for a 650, I mean, that thing sounds nice. Um, I mean, there's mm-hmm. 650 isn't a bad CC for a motorcycle, but it, it, it was one of those things that I looked up when people were talking about it on forum websites or YouTube comments that the Yamaha V Star 650 is as close to an 1100 as you can possibly find in a mid-sized motorcycle. Um, but now comes the painful process of finishing getting a stupid bonded title. It's a complete yeah. and total headache and a total nightmare trying to do that. Zero out of 10 would not recommend trying to do that. But um, yeah, <laughs> once I get that all rocking and rolling, then I'll, uh, I'll enli- enlist. Never, never again. Um, I will uh, enroll in a motorcycle course at the beginning of springtime, get my motorcycle license and take it out. Um, I don't plan on having the motorcycle for very long. If I'm being completely honest, um, I like motorcycles. I think that they're fun ideal, like in theory, but it really truly is just one brain fart away or another driver's incompetence away from being seriously injured, if not killed. Um, and I am prone to brain farting and I I tend to attract Murphy's Law. So I'll probably put around in it for a little bit. But after it's restored and I have it to at least a somewhat decent looking condition, I can just turn right around and sell it and make a decent profit off of it because I got it for free. So yep. um, even if I only sell it for like two grand, which it's definitely well worth that amount, um, that's way more than 100% profit on it. So that is, uh, that's kind of what I'm sure. thinking. Cool. Sounds fun. I can't wait. Can't wait until you get that put together and done and you're out riding it. It's pretty awesome. I know I've spent my time on a two-wheeler as well, and you are correct. You are Murphy's Law, one Murphy's Law violation away from, uh Yeah. A really serious accident and perhaps having your vocabulary reduced to all vowels and drooling into a rag for the rest of your days. So uh, (laughs) I definitely zero out of 10 would not recommend. Um, My fun fact is the I'm officiating a wedding this weekend in Arizona, uh, my home state. And yes, I am ordained. Thank you, Internet. It's an old high school buddy of mine that I haven't seen since we were in our early teens and uh, we were in marching band and jazz band together back in high school. Um, He's one of the most amazing piano players. As I recall that I remember hearing at age 12 and 13, the guy was just unbelievable played the entertainer front to back with no music. Um, Every, every night when we performed in jazz band, the guy was just unbelievable Uh, anyway. And he teaches music. Imagine that at a nearby school, and uh, I had left public school after freshman year to be homeschooled, and uh, we ended up losing touch after that. But we happened to rec- reconnect via social media a few years ago. Thank you, Facebook. And he met someone. 
about a year ago, I think it is. Got engaged a few months later. I happened to see the announcement on Facebook, sent him a direct message and offered to officiate. Uh, the cool part is the wedding will be at his house, which is on seven acres of property out in southern Arizona, and it includes a motocross track. So speaking of motorcycles and bad shit happening, uh, he probably doesn't want to show me them because he might not end up having a preacher that can perform his wedding because I'll be laid up in the truck. <laughs> and he does own <laughs> dirt bikes, so this could really be either a fun or a tragic weekend. Oh, God. Um, that's yeah. awesome, though. That is awesome. That's cool. Yeah, he's always loved doing that. I remember riding bikes with them back when we were 13, 14 years old, and it was an absolute blast. Uh, the property also happens to have RV hookups, and Blackshirt, my truck, has a shore power socket on it, so I'm going to try to find a cable and park, park her right there on the property and uh, save a ton of money by not having to stay in a hotel or be a hermit stand in my truck at a truck stop somewhere and hoping that they remember to come get me so that I can marry them. <laughs> and I'm going to save a lot of fuel too, by not having to idle because, uh, the shore power will help keep the AC running. Um, and I'm going to be able to watch the game on Saturday night because the wedding is on Sunday afternoon. God bless them. Cause I would have never volunteered if it wasn't. <laughs> so I, I might even be able to record that the podcast that night and i'm really looking forward to going down there like i said we haven't seen each other since we were teenagers so we've talked on the phone a couple times and it was like we we picked right up where we left off so uh it's amazing how that happens uh so that pretty much wraps up this michigan episode we were really hoping it would be like a half hour but damn it here we are hour in an hour so gosh dang it maybe we'll have to figure this out that if we're going to do two episodes we've got to figure out not to be so damn eloquent in what we have to say <laughs> <laughs> and just get to the nuts and bolts and the brass tacks. But we really appreciate you guys listening to a second episode this week. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure that uh, if you're listening to us on a podcast application that you rate and review our show. We're available on all the major ones. And you know what? Something that we have been talking about doing uh for a little while now is that we need to shout out to the folks who have taken time to rate and review our show, which we've gotten a few. So we're going to read a couple of those tonight. Uh, Scott, I know you've got one from Apple podcasts that you want to throw out there for folks to hear. Yes. Uh, we actually have a total of four five-star ratings on Apple podcasts right now with three written reviews. And so over the next few weeks, we're actually going to go over those. So if you want to review us, we're going to read your review. Whether it's good or bad, you can give us a one-star, two-star, three-star, four-star, whatever you want to give us. We prefer a five-star, but uh, whatever it is, and if you write a written review, we're going to read it. We're going to read it off because we like transparency here at the Generation Red Podcast, even if it is negative. But so far, we've had positive, positive reviews. You know, God bless, God bless that. So um, this first one, was written on August 12th, 2021. And I have a feeling it's definitely your friend uh, from Alabama because uh, his his uh, handle on Apple Pod is, hey, bro, Mikey. So yep, that's probably Mike. your buddy Mike. So what Mike has to say is, you know why I love this podcast? When I listen to Ken and Scott, I feel like I'm sitting with them out by a grill, drinking beer and talking football. It's it's laid back and funny, easy to listen to. After every episode, I get a little sad because I want more. 
You can tell this team uh, runs deep in their blood. They talk with such passion it gets me fired up for Nebraska football. And I'm not even from Nebraska. I enjoy hearing the memories. I agree with the opinions. And I like the fact that they bring up happenings around the league. I feel I feel like I truly gained something from listening to this podcast. If uh, Even if I'm... Even if it's just my imaginary friendship with the hosts and us sitting by the imaginary grill, hanging out, talking football. Much love to you, to the both of you. Man, I was freaking food spaghetti (laughs) or like word spaghetti all over the place there. But um, yeah, said much love to the both of us. Uh, Thank you, Mikey. Thanks, Mike. Um, That was a well-written review that I just couldn't read it very well and so <laughs> i apologize about that but he gave us a five-star rating and we much appreciate that um, yes we do thanks mike i really appreciate it uh dude that's awesome i'm so glad you're listening keep listening hopefully this season continues to get better um and just mike's one of those guys do just about anything for you including a five-star review <laughs> and that's pretty awesome because when i was in alabama for my friend's what other friend's wedding he let me use his ford f-150 all week that i was there so dude's just a stand-up guy so thanks again for the review mike that really means a lot to me we've got one here on my preferred app that i listen to podcasts on is podcast addict and you can leave reviews on podcast addict folks if that's what you use to listen to us go ahead and leave us a review this one is someone who might be a little biased toward us i don't know her name is wanda i think i know who she is um it says i enjoy (laughs) the podcast love listening to your differences sometimes and the generational gap does show through so thanks for that review my darling and uh you can leave another one if you want. That would help. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so, and yeah, looking, looking cool. forward, I do have two more reviews uh, that I will go over in next episodes. And they are actually from people that we don't know, um, as far cool. as I can tell. So, yeah, I've got first another reviews one here were, too, so. were from people that we know. But as we go through the rest of these reviews, they are definitely at, yep. at most anonymous. So, uh, yeah. And, yeah, please make sure you leave us a review and a rating. Um, and we will definitely shout out your review right here on the show. So um, thanks again. Also, you can find us on the web, genredpod.com. We plan to be migrating our website to another spot. So keep staying tuned for that. Uh, social media, facebook.com slash genredpod, as well as at genredpod on Twitter. And don't forget to play the plus minus game on Facebook. Uh, YouTube, Generation Red Live, where we will start live streaming the show in January of 2022. If you're listening to us now, and whether you're on Twitter or not, if you'd like to be a part of a live stream where we sit around and just talk Husker football, no agendas, just hanging out and talking with buddies that love the Big Red, then you will definitely want to subscribe to that channel and send us an email at genrpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be a part of that YouTube live stream, also send us your suggestions or questions to that address as well. Anyway, that pretty much wraps it up. Dear God, I thought this was going to be a lot shorter. I think it's actually longer than our review of the Northwestern game. So, uh, (laughs) fun stuff. So, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. He's Scott. I'm Ken. Together we're Generation Red, and we're here to remind you. That as your favorite and father-son combo, you know this to be true as well as we do. Iowa's corn. 
really sucks, even though the football team looks pretty good. And there's no place like Nebraska. Go Big Red and beat the Wolverines. Yes, indeed. Beat Coach Khaki Pants and his, I don't know, Hugh Jackmans. I don't know another reference to Wolverines that I could come up with that's clever. So Rabbit squirrels. <laughs> yes, the rabbit squirrels. This podcast is not associated in any official capacity with the University of Nebraska or the Cornhusker football team. All opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts alone and are intended for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. Stay sweet and salty and go Big Red. Go Big Red.